Welcome to 5-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Pri, and today we are joined by a 7th grade teacher. How are you doing, Miss M? Good. Good. How are you? Good, good. How's your day going? Going pretty good. Um, I had a baby shower earlier, so I kind of <laughs> did saw a bunch of family, which was fun, and then I was just watching WrestleMania with my kids, Okay. and they just did the, you know... Women's Royal Rumble or whatever, so that was kind of fun. That's you awesome. Know, with you. Okay, cool, cool. How's um, how's the weather treating you? Awful. It <laughs> is cold. It is freezing. Everyone's asking, "Are we having school?" And it's just getting worse. So it's just it's cold. I don't like the cold. If I was a kid, I'd be praying for uh, for a snow day, I you know, or or a cold day or anything to, uh, to get out of school. <laughs> I'm secretly praying to. <laughs> do you um, do you um, say like a fitness, for instance? Do you like to work out, you know, before you go to school, or is it like an after-school type of thing, or is it like a nighttime type of thing? Um, I usually work out after school okay. because I'm not a morning person, and then that kind of helps me, energizes me to go through the rest of the evening, making lunches, doing homework, all those type of things. So it kind of gives me a reboost. Okay, to, you know, get through the night. And what type of workouts do you normally do? Um, I do some cardio, but I really, really love yoga. I try mm. to do that a couple days a week. And that's just kind of, I feel like it's making me stronger. Mm-hmm. And um, it just kind of like relaxes me too. At the end, you leave and you're totally de-stressed and it's like you can take on the world. Sure, sure. What kind of, uh, do you do vinyasa or do you do like recovery yoga? What, what do you do? more vinyasa than anything. Okay. Um, I started taking a class and it was um, different structure instructors ha- kind of have their twists on it, but I really do like the vinyasa and the flow to it Yeah. because I can, you know, when they're telling you the poses the first couple times you go, it's pretty intimidating. And then once you feel the rhythm, you're like, okay, I can do this. And when they throw in a new pose, you're like, all right, I knew all the other ones. Let's try this one out. And it's more fun. So I kind of like a little bit of the predictability of it. That's cool. I did my first crow pose the other day. <laughs> That's pretty impressive because you haven't been doing it long. That's, it's fun to try it out, though. Yeah. Hold it all the time. Uh, I held it for, I don't know, like 15 seconds or something like that. Oh, I, but, yeah. but I willingly came down, though, because I was like kind of so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like if you push yourself, you're like, am I going to hurt myself? Sure. Or, you know, when do you do it? But. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I started doing it like maybe like uh, like seventeen days ago, and it's been like you said a really good relaxer. And I do, actually I do it at night. I do it at home because I'm like uh, I wouldn't say I don't like to be around people, but people kind of make me nervous. And for like the for yoga, it's like one of those things I kind of like to be in the green, like to re- really relax myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I really liked it. It's been it's been great. Do you just follow videos or? Yeah, yeah. I follow. Uh, actually, there's a couple that I'm doing. I'm, I'm following Matthew Schallard, and uh, he has uh, something called Task Force Yoga. He's a, um, he, was a, he was in the Air Force Special, special Operations, and he's, uh, you know, he started like this, um, like a yoga type of, um, it's called Task Force Yoga. It's like a, like a yoga group. And uh, I did his intro to Vinyasa one, and it was about an hour and a half long. And but he sits there and he 
you know, he tells you everything. He goes through it like step by step. This is where your feet are supposed to be. This is how your knees are supposed to be. If, if this hurts, you know, you can do this to alleviate the pain so, so that it doesn't hurt you. And he goes through it step by step and explains everything. It's, it's really, really cool. He has like his own style though. It's called like a, like a power vinyasa is what, is what okay. he calls it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but then, but he goes through the breathing. And, uh, and how to do that. So I'm following, um, I'm doing that, guys. And I'm doing yoga with Adrian. She's yeah, you know what? <laughs> I signed up for that, the 30-day yoga challenge. Yeah, yeah. I'm like on day uh, 17 or 18. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, so like I'm doing this, guys, and it's like um, – I'm doing Matthews and it's, it's really like, I, I've learned a lot from it, but I'm finishing the 30 day challenge with Adrian and then I'm really going to dive into, um, I'm really going to dive into task force yogas. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I need like to go somewhere and get away from my okay. house and anything here that is going on my to-do list. Like I should be working on that or I should be doing this. If I make myself go to the gym, it's kind of like, all those other distractions go away and I can focus a lot better and I can just kind of make it me time. No one can interrupt me. Right. So I need a little bit more of that discipline. Okay. I'll send you, I'll shoot you a link. Theirs is on, um, is on Vimeo and, oh, okay. uh, and it's, it's pretty easy to get to. And he has another instructor on there. Her name is Amanda. I'm not, I don't know what her last name is, but I'm actually going to have them on the, on the podcast. Coming, oh, c- coming up in the future because I want to talk to them about some yoga stuff just because uh, I have some friends that have anxiety and stuff like that and you know how yoga can help you with like anxiety and, and you know depression and, and stuff like that because oh, there, yeah. uh, there's like a lot of applications for it you know oh the breathing and the mantras are yeah just, even trying to fall asleep at night are so helpful yeah yeah that's why I do it before I go to bed so I can kind of like bring my brain down so I can so I can relax so how would you how would you say your latest year in school is going? This year is actually a pretty great year. I feel like I've um I've kind of bounced between 7th and 6th grade every few years and now I'm back in 7th grade for quite a few years, so I feel like I really know the curriculum. So that's really helpful. I have a good group of kids this year. Mm. Um and then the parents are pretty supportive this year. So it's been going really well this year. You know, you have your up years and your down years. And sure. sometimes you need those up years to help you keep going. Yeah. How are, um, how would you say, you know, like with bad years, is that like, is that like parents or do kids just not listen? Do you have like a year where kids are just, they don't listen for anything or, or what, like what, what constitutes a bad year? Um, sometimes a bad year can definitely be with a group of kids, you mm-hmm. know, if they're not listening or you just don't click with them and they don't click with you. They don't want to get to know you on another level than just sure. being their teacher. Um, that's pretty difficult. And then some years you have parents that aren't supportive or whatever decision you make for their students. Is it, you know, what they would necessarily make? So there's a kind of couple factors there as well. Okay. Okay. When would you say, you know, at- you hit a year in life where you're like, you know what, I want to be a school teacher. When was that? Um, my mom was a teacher, so always really young growing up. I was mm. like, I want to be a teacher. And that's when you could still go to the classroom with your parents. So I was mm. like, I want to be a teacher. And then at the end of high school, I was kind of like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher just because my mom's a teacher. I'm going to be a physical therapist. And yeah. I was like researching colleges for it. And I actually went and job shadowed. And I was like, Wow, being a physical therapist is really physical. Yeah, and like the kid, it was a child, a pediatric physical therapist, and the kids were like crying in pain because mm. of their 
therapy, which ultimately would be good, but I was like, I can't do this. And I was like, I want to be a teacher again. So it's kind of always been back in my head. Um, and it just seemed natural, you know, it was something I felt comfortable with and that I had just kind of seen firsthand with my mom growing up. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, my daughter, she's, you know, she practically wants to be like, just like my wife, you know, so I can definitely, I can definitely see, uh, you know, her being a teacher or something, you know, like when she grows up. Oh, you, you know, you see a role model do it and you're like, I want to do that. Cause it seems fun to like put stickers on paper. And <laughs> yeah. So you're actually doing it. <laughs> So when so okay so you're you're looking at colleges and you decided uh, where you want to you know what you want to do like where did you go to college at? I went to Northern Illinois. Okay. It seems like uh, I've heard like ISU is like the like uh, college to go to for teachers. Why is that? It, you know what? It's just they have a good program, and then everybody just started to go there, and they feel comfortable there because mm. a lot of their parents have gone there, or a lot of their friends kind of went there. It seemed like a large percentage of my graduating class went to ISU. Mm -hmm. So I think people just feel comfortable in that, too. When I think out of, you know, maybe my class of 600, 10 of us went to Northern. Oh, wow. So that's a bit scarier. Um, I initially went to Northern because of the physical therapy program, you know, right. when I was applying. Um, my sister had gone to Northern, so I had seen it. I knew I liked it. And, um, yeah, it, they had an awesome really hands-on um, education program, which I really, really liked. Okay. So you go to college, and what was that experience like for you? Um, <laughs> I am a rule follower. Okay. And I, you know, and my mom had rules and curfews, and I always, you know, maintained them. So freshman year, it was a whole different experience living on my own, not having rules, and it was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, pretty typical college behavior. Yeah. By the time, you know, um, my sophomore year, I moved into my sorority house, and that was a whole nother experience on its own, but fun. And right. then my junior, senior year, um, I was really doing a lot of, like, in-classroom training. So it was like I was half a student, half kind of on an internship, mm -hmm. which really turned college life around when you have to wake up at 6 in the morning and be in a classroom with kids the next day. So. Right. You know, a wide variety. Okay. How did you, like, how did you choose, like, you know, like, say, like, what grade you wanted to teach? You know, it's like between kindergarten and, say, eighth grade, like what, or even high school. Like, like what was it uh, that, that helped you cho choose what you wanted to do? Um, I really love math, and I'm a math teacher. <laughs> and so I knew that I did not want, um, I don't like the higher level math calculus and things like that. So I knew I definitely needed to not be in high school. Right. I love the middle school. I had a great time in middle school. I had awesome teachers in middle school. And I love that age group. The little kids, I cannot handle time sheets, boogers, mm -hmm. just all of that. So I yeah. definitely always knew I was a middle school person. And I liked the concept of just being able to focus on math all day. That's cool. What was teaching like when you first started? Um, my first job was in a... Um, very different school district than what I grew up in. Um, I was the minority in the school. Mm -hmm. And so it was a whole culture shock for me my first year, you know, just kind of um, different family environments, different, you know, most of my kids got free lunch. 
my classroom only had three walls, and the fourth wall was a partition that went about five feet up, mm. and then and I didn't have a door, so it was like a total different experience than what I was used to. Right. Um, but I think it was the best experience because it totally opened my eyes to who else and what else is out there, and not everybody is is as privileged as everyone else. So that was pretty eye opening. I would say. Um, my first year is was super stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do everything right. You right. Know, school hours after learning the curriculum, learning the building. How can you help these kids? You know, I think I read every book that was like the best way to be a teacher. Sure. <laughs> Tried to implement all the strategies. Um, but, you know, a lot, a lot of fun, too, because you're like, I'm here. Everything I worked through through college, I made it here. And yeah. I survived. So what challenges did you, did you uh, typically face in your first year? Um, I would say some of the challenges were just finding that line. Everybody always said, don't smile as a teacher till after mm. Christmas break or they're going to think you're a really teacher, you know, and it was kind of not in my personality to sure. be a really hardcore. So it was kind of finding that balance of being me as a person and then being an authoritarian as well and just kind of figuring out how do I reach these kids type thing. Right. Yeah. I was such a uh, horrible student and it wasn't because I wanted to, you know, I I was just like, I wanted to go play basketball or I wanted to go and play and stuff. And, and you know, a lot of my teachers, like, I guess I would say the nice ones, I definitely wanted to, I guess, you know, like learn more, I guess, or, or, or stay in, stay in class. But the mean ones, I, I could, I could definitely care less, you know? Well, that was the thing. It's like, you don't want to be the mean one, but you have to teach them too. So find right. fine line where it's like, you're listening to the type of music they like. If they were into a sports team, you would look into it a little bit more. So you could like have something to talk to them on a personal level about that they cared about. Right. Yeah. That's a good idea. Wow. I never even thought of that. So after you became a teacher, how would you say your your social life changed? Well, I would say I definitely was much more aware of my surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, my social life, because I would end up going to a bar and I would see parents there. <laughs> and it's like I at first I would like put down whatever I was drinking because I'm like, they can't see me drinking. I'm t- <laughs> you know, kids teacher. And then I was like, wait. I'm over 21. I am yeah. allowed to have a drink. So it was kind of, I had also learned that fine line of, nope, you can be a person. Yeah. You know, but you don't want to embarrass yourself either. There was no more dancing on tables and things. Like <laughs> I always thought like as a kid, like teachers, they would like, as soon as the class was over, they would like fly off to their cave, like a dragon or something, you know, and, and do like school stuff. And then when the morning came, they would just kind of fly back to school and, and kind of started all over again. I didn't even realize teachers were people until I was like 12 years old or something like that. <laughs> I see a lot of kids all around town, like at the grocery store or at the bank or, you know, I once saw kids at the water park near our house. Oh, really? They out. They were, I was like swimming with my kids and they're like, there's our teacher in a swimsuit. It was like crazy. We're so people like, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How would you say um, since the beginning that your teachers evolved? That t- that, te- that teaching has evolved. 
Um, I would say one of the biggest things is the use of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started teaching, it was a lot of chalkboards, putting examples on the chalkboard and um, like little handheld manipulatives. Now all my students have an iPad. Mm-hmm. So I can shout so much more to them and like the 3D images of things and just what we can share with them. So technology has changed the game a ton. Also, kids having just technology. You know, before it was like they could go home, leave their problems, social issues, things that they were having at school. Now they go home and it's with them 24-7 because they have the phones. Yeah. Or they have gaming systems. There's just a lot more distractions for the students now. And I feel like when they're sitting in class, they have a harder time focusing because they're so used to that immediate gratification of a technology. Yeah, I couldn't imagine, you know, like, I mean, I always wanted to play video games, but now, I mean, they've got video games, they've got Facebook, you know, they've got, um, I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff. They've got, you know, stuff that you can carry around with you. They've got iPads and Chromebooks and, and all kinds of stuff that they can use. And it's got to be difficult because, you know, you know, at one point you want to use technology to try to, you know, further, you know, I guess further education and utilize it. But then at the same time, it's like, you know, how much do we really need? You know, you know, I think books still work good, but I don't know, maybe just finding that happy medium. I agree, because it's hard because um, like with math, they still need to do a lot on paper and pencil. Right. You know, I think that really does help them. So you're trying to figure out, yeah, just how much technology to push on them, knowing that when they go home, they probably have tons of hours of screen time. Yeah. So you're like, I want to be like, I want to give their eyes a rest from looking at a screen. And yeah. Them the whole world isn't on a screen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like everything's just kind of, you know, just going that way. Like, like everybody's just behind a screen all day. I agree. And I want to be like, I'm a teacher. So we have these human interactions with each other, or I could just have you watch videos all day and you could teach yourself math. So, you know, (laughs) so if you could, you know, what, what kind of changes would you implement? You know, I don't know, like with in regards to technology or just within the classroom in general. Let's start with technology. I would say just finding that healthy balance of what they could use this, the technology and when they could not use the technology. I mean, I would love to have, I guess more of the changes are things outside of the school that I don't have control of. Right. Because within school we have, you know, things on the technology that blocks them from certain sites. Or I can tell when they're using something. For the most part, I mean, like, put it away. But, like, the technology, the amount of technology at home, I would rather, I would probably want to decrease a little bit. You know, I can give them 10 math problems, and there's apps where they can just put these math problems on and get the answer. Mm-hmm. So they're not doing the practice. There's just too much accessible to them. So that's probably what I would want to do is maybe educate the parents to maybe possibly limit screen time. But that's out of our control for the teacher. Right, right. So, you know, Apple, they have this, um, they have this ability for you to, uh, it's part of like their classroom program, where they, um, you know, they have iPads for all the kids, you know, and then the teacher has this app. And she could see, you know, uh, who in the classroom is on her screen and what they're doing. And and she and that person can also, you know, like say, oh, this person's this kid is on the internet doing something that they're not supposed to be doing and they can write something on there and say, don't do that or, or show them to the right page. You know, are you guys doing that kind of stuff? We do. We do have um, the classroom app, which kind of allows us to do that. So what we can do is we can freeze someone's iPad 
if they're on a site that they should not be. And, you know, <laughs> that would totally be me. <laughs> well, in part because all the te- a lot of the textbooks are online now, uh, you know, on their iPad. So as you're walking around teaching, they're so quick to like change the, you know, hit the home button really quick and get it off. Yeah. It's nice having it on your screen to kind of even, they know, like I, I don't hide it from them. I'm like, I'm turning on classroom. I'm watching what you're doing. And it kind of helps them regulate themselves to stay mm-hmm. where they need to be because they know somebody is watching. Now, what about in the classroom? What would you, you know, what, what would you change? Um, within the classroom, I would like longer class periods. I only get to see them for about 45 minutes. And, you know, by the time the kids get in and they get out, I would like a little bit more time, especially for math, because I feel like there's so much content and it's so much, you need so much practice that I don't get to know, know the kids on a personal level as much as I would like to within the classroom. Yeah, that's not a lot of time at all. You know, I would think, I mean, I think back when I was in seventh grade, we got like an hour and a half, maybe, I want to say. And then in high school, I think it went down to like 50 minutes or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we have a homeroom that I use, try to use some of the, we use some of the math time too, just to get them a little bit more. But you can, you know, I understand that there's minutes in a day and you can only use so much, but yeah, in a dream world, I would have more time with them. What would you say are, you know, common misconceptions about teachers? I would say a lot of people think teachers are, have the dream job because they have summers off Mm. and they get overpaid because they're only working, you know, nine months of a year. And I think people think teachers think they know everything because they're teaching their, you know, the kids. I mean, I don't think, I love my job. I love that I get summers off to be with my kids. Um, I think we get paid well, like I don't complain that I need more money, you Mm -hmm. know, knowing what we, the great vacations we get off, you know, we get spring break off, we get Christmas break off. Um, but we do work hard, but we are always trying to learn too. Like we don't know everything, right? you know, and just like everyone else, if I don't know something, I'm Googling it, I'm getting a book and reading about it. So I, I think the mentality that teachers think they know everything isn't really true. Okay. Yeah. I have no problem with teachers getting the summer off because, you know, there's just a, I mean, it doesn't end when you're, when your day ends, you know, like everybody, they do the nine to five or, or no eight to four or what have you. And they go home and, you know, that's a lot of times that's it. But with teachers, you know, the day ends at, you know, uh, three fifteen, three thirty, and then you're staying after school and working on stuff. And then you're coming home and you're, you're working on stuff. And that's like every single day. Not to mention if you're in, if you're if you're running, uh, you know, some kind of clubs or or something. You know, that's even more work that you have to put in. And it's every day. And sometimes it goes into the weekend. I don't think people really understand that. You know how much work actually goes into that nine months of, of of the school year. I agree. Yeah, it's a lot of extra. And you know, the you want to do a good job by these kids. So you want to grade their tests and you want to give them feedback and you want to differentiate for them that all takes a ton of time yeah so I I stay after school pretty late because it's too hard for me to come home and do the work you know with my (laughs) so I'm lucky to leave work at 4 4 45 5 o'clock okay so what would you say that um you know if there could be like maybe three things what would you what do you like best about teaching I love especially at the seventh grade level that I get a help 
the seventh graders, you know, like young teenagers kind of decide where they're going to go. They're trying to decide, am I going to go the right path or I'm going to be rebellious and take this wrong path. So I kind of get to help them make good choices and kind of lead them on that direction, especially at that age. Yeah. What would you say is, uh, you know, between sixth, seventh and eighth grade, what, what do you like to teach the best? I love seventh graders because they're making those decisions and I get a, they get some of my jokes. Mm-hmm. I love sixth grade math the best though. Okay. Like just the content. And I love having kids come in and helping them learn how to get organized and how to assimilate to a new school and kind of how to make their friends and that whole type of welcome to middle school type mentality. Right. Um, eighth grade. I liked, I just, um, they're so focused on high school, you know, mm. and they have that mentality. We're the best. We don't need to listen all the time. So I, I like my seventh graders. <laughs> okay. What are, what would you say are the biggest differences between say, um, you know, seventh grade to sixth, or, you know, sixth graders coming in seventh graders and eighth graders. Like what are like the challenges for, for teaching each? Um, sixth graders live in fear for like the first quarter of school. <laughs> they are like terrified. Like what if I, can't get into my locker what if I don't get into class you know on time and they're just feared of everything that can go wrong you know and it's the first time they have to move classrooms and have lockers so there's all those extra fears sure. that you kind of have to deal with throughout the day um compared to seventh grade they come in they already know the building they already have been through the routine so they're a lot more confident with that mm-hmm. and then I would say um and with eighth graders you're just trying to, you know, impose upon them. You're the leaders of the school now. Go help the seventh graders or go help those, you know. Right. And they're like, we don't want to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> we want to go to high school. Exactly. <laughs> so um, what kind of issues would you say that you have come across with parents? I want a couple good ones. Oh, let me think of this. Um, How many years have you been teaching? I've been teaching for 15 years. Okay. I would say I've had a couple parents um, here and there that when you call them up and you try to explain a situation that happened in class, they don't believe you. Uh My child said something different. And I'm like, maybe your child interpreted the conversation differently, but this is what was said. And they, you know, there's just a couple parents, no matter what you say, they are not going to believe you. Their child is right. And that is really difficult because you wonder, you know, I'm not going to change my story, but it doesn't make the situation any better because they're so angry of how something went down. So trying to find that middle line of being like, I'm sorry, we disagree, but are we going to move forward? You know, yeah. I'm a person I want to be like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I have nothing to be sorry for, right. you know, thing in some situations. So that's kind of difficult. You know, their baby can't do any wrong. <laughs> Does that happen? Uh, would you say that happens more in like sixth grade or, or eighth grade? You know what? It's not really a grade. It's mm. just what it's um, just how the parent thinks of their child. You know, yeah. it's yeah, it's really not a great thing. I mean, the, you have some great parents that you call and you're like, you know, your kid hasn't stopped talking. I told them I had to move their desk three times and they're like, I know. I've heard it every year since first grade. Like they know. And then there's some that are like, my child would never do that. And you're like, you almost wish you could like videotape them doing it. Right. 
something. You know, that's so funny, you know, because it's, you know, it's like, you know what you have, you know, your kid's not perfect, but yet you're going to sit here and argue with the teacher. You know, if my kid was, if they told, you know, they're like, yeah, we found, we found little Michael, uh, you know, trying to play basketball and instead of reading his book, I'm like, yeah, that's totally something he would do, you know? I can't say that he wasn't doing that. That's totally something that he would do. You know, I think that it's it's funny how how parents will, you know, they'll they'll think that their kids are perfect, you know, and they're not. Well, and I, growing up, if we ever got a phone call from the school, regardless of who was right, yeah. I would get in trouble. You know, because my mom was like, "You at least need to learn how to respect this teacher and how to listen to that teacher, and she's the authoritarian." You know, so. Yeah, I just don't understand the – I understand hearing your kid's side of the story, but, you know, most adults, you should be able to trust that they're telling you the truth. How would you say, you know, like, you know, just for parents, parents in general, when their kids, you know, their kids are, are coming out of, you know, grade school and going to, 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 to middle school, how can the parents kind of prepare themselves for, for the change? Because there's, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, social – um, how do you say social, you know, uh, influences by their peers, you know, because like in, in grade school, I mean, yeah, there are, there are some, you know, some, uh, there are, they are influenced by their peers, but when you get to middle school, you're kind of getting into more of like the adult stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because you do yeah. have eighth graders that are trying to get in high school, you know, and, and you have sixth graders that are still kind of like kids, you know? Well, they're, yeah, they're exposed to a lot more the older they get. I would kind of tell parents, though, just to kind of have that talk with their kid and just be like, you can tell me things and I'm not going to get angry. You know, you can tell me things that you've heard or you can ask me questions about what's going on. Or, you know, if somebody says a name and you don't know what that means, ask me and just kind of have that open dialogue. I've kind of started that with my daughter young Mm -hmm. and it's like, if you're, if somebody says something to you and it makes you feel uncomfortable, come tell me. And then, you know, she has, and I'll be like, well, what did you say back? And I totally disagree with what she said back. <laughs> but I can't yell at her. Yeah. Or she'll never tell me stuff again, you know, yeah. totally appropriate. but I'll be like, well, let's talk through it. How should we do it again differently? So I would kind of tell parents, just because our kids are getting older, don't let them fly on their own. They need our advice more than ever in middle school when those decisions come up. Um, and I would say, be aware of what they're doing on social media. You know, you own the phone, you have the phone. It's okay to look at it. And it's okay to um, explain to your kid why something's not okay to post or, you know, to really help them make their friend choices. Just be a part of it. So many of them are like, ah, they're finally in middle school. They can do it on their own. They're responsible, you know? Right. I think we'll just have to keep parenting them. Yeah, I, I think that's like the perfect age to start instilling discipline in kids, you know, because uh, that's something I believe in is, you know, motivation can only take you so far, you know, but mm-hmm. discipline can get you to, you know, to do the right thing, you know, every day. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to believe, you know, sometimes, you know, you see your kid, you know, they're, you obviously look at your kids as like they're still babies, you know, you'll always see them that way. But to you know they get to a point where you know they're thinking on their own and it's kind of like well what are the what are the boundaries at now because you want them to start thinking and you want them to start working things out on their own and when they do do things wrong you know like you said you know maybe kind of set up you know borders 
for for them to fail, you know. And uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you know, and they still need rules, like you said. They do need boundaries. They need to say that this is okay, and this is not going to fly. This is not okay. I mean, without that, then we're just letting them fall into bad decision making. And maybe if it's something we don't know that happened right away, then they make another bad decision, another bad decision. And then the consequence is going to end up in the end that something really bad is going to happen that we could have curtailed way at the beginning. Right, right. I agree. So how would you say, uh, what, what would be a good way for parents to prepare them kids for, for middle school? I think maybe sharing a story that they had in middle school, you yeah. know, maybe a choice didn't make or a situation with bullying. I've kind of shared some of that with my kids and kind of said, you know, I don't think this is a good idea. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, well, I do. When I was in this grade, this happened. And I think then they can see us more as like, I never want to be my kid's friend, but I can be like a friendly parent, if that makes sense. Like I'm not your best friend, but we can trust each other. We can tell each other things. And then give them my experiences and say, you know, you learn from those. And then hopefully they see the light someday. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any, um, have you had any trouble with, with bullying uh, in your, in your 15 years? We have. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it, it borders on, is it bullying or is it joking around? And I feel like that's where a lot of the problems start at first is that, um, friends start to joke around mm-hmm. and they start to say things and you're like, it's just my friend. Right. But then that really starts to hurt after a while. And so I don't even think some people realize they are bullying. Uh, okay. so it goes, uh, you know, a lot of, I see that with a lot of like friends that turn into enemies mm-hmm. and sometimes there is some just downright bullying, but you know, but I think now we're doing an awesome job in the schools is educating the kids on, what bullying looks like. And if you witness bullying, what you can do. So Mm. I feel like a lot of kids now are more intercepting things that they hear being like, Hey, you can't say that, or that's not right. Right. So, you know, which is awesome to see, but I, you know, I don't see the kids taking kids out and meeting them by the bicycle rack and having a fight or anything like that. Any, you know, yeah. Around sure. It happens somewhere, but I feel like people are just with, socio-emotional concerns nowadays and suicide rates and everything like that, people are so sensitive to that now. And teachers are making sure they're looking out for it. And students are making sure they're looking out for each other. So I think I think it's getting better. It's not gone away, but I think we have a lot more people protecting those that are getting bullied. Now, as I would probably say 15 years ago, um, you know, school security was obviously something that was I would say you are probably taken seriously, not as seriously as today. How would you, how would you, um, how would you describe trying to teach today and all that's happening in schools with, you know, uh, school shootings and, and things like that? You know, I definitely think there's a lot more on kids' minds when they hear something on the news that something like a school shooting has happened. Right. So they're bringing that to school with them the next day that we didn't have 15 years ago. Right. Um, but I do think with, the disasters that have happened, the schools have gotten so much smarter to have protocols in place now. So uh, I feel like they've been educating us, like um, active shooter drills and things like that. You hope it never happens, but if it does, hopefully I won't be 
you know, you get that second of you're stunned, but now I have education that I can say, okay, I have some good choices that I can make right now. I have some ideas of what I can do to help make safe decisions for myself and my students, where if that would have happened 15 years ago, if something would have happened, nobody talked about it. I would have been freaking out and I would have just been making irrational thoughts. But now I have a process to kind of go through. Yeah, that's important, uh, you know, just to be prepared because, you know, when you train and you train and you train for something and when it happens, you know, you just start reacting instead of like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You're like, oh, this is what I do. I go and close the door. I lock it and we go and, you know, we, we go into a hide mode or, or something because with a bunch of kids, I mean, you're not going to be able to to put up much of a fight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, it's pretty interesting that when the police have come in, they've kind of been able to tell us some things that we could do to put up a fight, which I had never thought about. Mm-hmm. They're like, you, you know, kind of the philosophy is now run, fight, or hide. Right. It used to be hide, and now they're like, if you're on the other side of the building and you can get those kids out, run. And then you think fight, and you're like, well, we could just sit in the corner and be sitting ducks, or we could all be armed with textbooks and scissors and Anything that we can throw at the, the shooter. Yeah. Not that it's necessarily going to hurt the shooter, but it, it maybe be enough to like knock the shooter out of that, you know, negative conscious thought, or maybe enough to like knock the gun away, or just you know make it harder for them to aim something. You know. Yeah, definitely. Instead of just feel like you're sitting there, so I feel like better like that because just to sit there, it's like at least you're formulating a plan, you're having some action, you have a chance. Yeah, because you normally have a um, you normally have another teacher in the room with you, don't you? For like about half my day, I do. Yeah. Yeah, if you got another person with you and you throw, start throwing stuff at at somebody, you know, I think that would definitely help out instead of sitting in the corner. Exactly, and then with middle schoolers, I would never ask young kids to help out, but we have some pretty brave middle schoolers that yeah. you know we kind of do drills with them too, and they're like, "Hey, I would do this now." In this situation, who knows what any of us would actually do. Sure. But they're getting old enough now where some of them are, you know, wanting to step up as well. So you have some allies in the classroom with your students. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember when um, – do you remember when Columbine happened? I mean that mm-hmm. completely took the like the entire country by storm, you know, because it was just such a huge deal. But afterwards, it, it didn't seem like a lot changed. Do you know what I mean? Not like today. You know, it, it seems like change is, has, it took a long time for, for change to happen. I agree, because I think everyone just thought Columbine, it was an isolated event. It was one situation. Unfortunately, now those type of things are becoming, I don't want to say the norm, but they're becoming more and more often. You turn on the news and somewhere around the country, there's been a school shooting. I mean, it's so hard to ignore now. Yeah, and I think it's just in, important to to plan for, you know. I agree. So, what would you say uh, your plans are for the future? Say next five, not five to ten years. Um, to definitely still be in the field of education, I uh-huh. do love teaching. I would eventually like to get into some administrative role along uh-huh. the way. Um, I do love organizing, planning, scheduling, all those type of administrative things. Um, and just kind of to keep up with what's going on in the world, education-wise. You know, sure. I would say my downfall is probably the technology. So just kind of keep learning that and keeping up with that. Learning how the kids today are not going to be the same kids five years from now. Right. They may not learn the same. And just kind of keeping up with that so that I can always reach the kids I'm teaching, whatever they may need. 
Yeah, imagine uh, you know technology five years ago, and imagine technology five years five years from today. You know how how much of a difference it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking five years ago, I would not have been doing a podcast. I didn't <laughs> wouldn't even have known what a podcast was. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get you on again once you uh, once you get into one of those uh, administrative roles. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Um, this was a lot of fun, and uh, and I'd like I would like to have you on the podcast uh, again. But uh, I'd like to thank you for your time. And uh, before we before we end this, I want to hear a teacher joke. The cheesier, the better. All right, let me think. Um, what did the teachers eat on Halloween? What did the math teachers eat on Halloween? What? Pumpkin pie, because pie is three point one four. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that. I love the uh, I love the teacher jokes. They get me every time. <laughs> well, uh, thank you again, and uh, once again, thank you for listening to the Five Seven Podcast. Uh, you can find us on your. Um, on your, you know, whatever podcast app you listen to, we should be on just about everything except for iHeartRadio and Spotify because they're a little picky. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening and have a good one, guys.